It's a question many fans have been asking for weeks. And now we might just be standing on the border of a change that could be coming. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We're free and available everywhere that you get your podcast and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Follow us too to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. I'm Alex Frank, your host each and every day right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh oh. Really? Are we now? Yeah, hopefully history's made. I forgot how good the song is. Right now, make you believe. Yeah, it is. to go down. Yeah, Russ, I think, um... There are some loud conversations, or it's certainly um, the possibility is growing louder and louder as we progress throughout this week. Uh, if I didn't introduce my guest, you know him, Russ Heltman, my colleague at All Bearcast and Sports Illustrated, joining me today as he does every Thursday. Russ, straight up, everybody's asking about it, and everybody's talking about it. Will there be a change at quarterback on Saturday for the Cincinnati Bearcats? I don't even know that the coaching staff knows as of today. We have a quote from Luke Fickle during his um, first press conference coming off the bye week last week. Obviously, the team was off and glad to be back once again on Locked on Bearcats. Love being on here as always. Quote from Fickle here, Ben has been able to get back to practice through some of the concussion protocol stuff. Keyword there, Alex, being some. So obviously... That does not lead me to believe, and we did not get a definitive answer from Fickle, that he has been cleared from the concussion protocol. Obviously took that hit on the slide against South Florida a couple weeks back. And to me, I mean, that's got to be a little concerning. I mean, just looking at Ben Bryant's health in general, you'd like usually like to see guys, if it's a mild concussion, be cleared after a week's time. That was not definitively stated. By Luke Fickle, maybe he's playing coy with SMU. They obviously don't have to release injury reports in college football like they have to do weekly and daily during the practice schedule at the NFL level. So I would say I'd be a little surprised if Evan Prater gets the start for a concussed Ben Bryant this weekend, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. And what an opportunity that would be for Evan Prater, Alex, to get his first start in Arguably one of the three biggest games on the schedule in the AAC this season for UC. Well, I mean, definitely with the two road games this week, and then you've got all of a sudden now a potential top 25 matchup on Black Friday when we're still trying to work off the Thanksgiving meals that we eat. So there is, but, and now I think a lot of us are starting to think some hypothetical scenarios. Well, if Evan Prater starts this week and he plays well, does that mean he starts next week at UCF? in that hostile environment 
You know, if Ben Bryant starts this week and he gets concussed and Evan Prater comes in and he performs well, you know, what does that do? I mean, Russ, I'm thinking about it last night. We got a five and one football team that's ranked number 21 in the country. And they're, you know, outside of losing to Arkansas, pretty much doing what they did last year and the year before that. But now we're back, potential a quarterback. I don't want to say controversy, but some um, a situation where you may not know who the starting quarterback definitively is. Is that where we could be heading? I don't think so. I once again, I'm going to come on here and and make it clear. Ben Bryant is the starter. He will play the. I mean, I think Evan Prater could come out throw for 350 yards, 120 yards rushing, touch the ball 45 times. Makes make up six total touchdowns, and they will still give the keys back to Ben Bryant once he is cleared for play. It's just the way this coaching staff has operated. I don't think they want to even hear or give any credence to a quarterback controversy. And the only reason we're even talking about this is because of that slide that Ben Bryant took in the game against South Florida. This would be a non-issue, I would think, if he was obviously able to practice fully and not concuss. So I don't think there's really any scenario where a one-game performance from Evan Prater makes the coaching staff say, yep, all right, we need to scrap everything that we've done so well so far this season on offense and go to Evan Prater and come up with a completely new playbook to use for him. Bearcats and SMU Saturday noon kickoff on ESPN. Really excited about that. Uh, I was telling Russ before we came on, uh, the commentating crew for that game is really, really good. Mark Jones, I've met Mark Jones before, very nice guy. Um, has a great, great voice. Um, RG3, we know a little bit about RG3, former Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, the Bengals did beat the uh, uh, Washington, well, now the Commanders. I won't say what their team name was at that time um, in their in his home opener. So Mark Jones, RG3, and then Quinn Kessinich. So good commentating crew. Of course, you can also listen to the game live on 700WLW. Dan Horde, Jim Kelly Jr. starting at 1130. So um, you say that you don't know, um, the, if the, you, you think the coaching staff doesn't know, but if you're, yeah, yeah. He, he has not been cleared this. to play publicly okay. to us. So we don't know whether it, it could be in the hands of the yeah. doctors right now, or like I said, it could be a classic case of college coaches playing coy, not one to give SMU clearly in that scenario. If you're having to prepare for two different quarterbacks, that's something you'd want your opponent to have to do. Yeah. Interesting, because I remember when Ben Bryan made his first career start for the Bearcats. We didn't know until, at least I didn't know, and I think a lot of us didn't know until the day of the game at Memphis. You remember this, Russ, Black Friday. Uh, Desmond Ritter was heard, and Luke Fickle wouldn't commit to a starter at his Tuesday press conference that week. Ultimately, Ben Bryan got the start, which yeah, he turned in a very fine performance that kept the Bearcats in the game, gave them a chance to win that game. So it's kind of Interesting when you think about this scenario where, you know, the last time the Bearcats had a starting quarterback who wasn't healthy going into a game and we didn't know until right before kickoff. Well, that could be the case this time around. But Russ, if you're calling it, who would you say is going to start this week? And I think you're leaning towards Ben Bryant. I would say Bryant because Fickle, Fickle made a point to say he has been at practice. He has been practicing. Obviously, you're wearing a red jersey as a quarterback. It's it's not too taxing to be out there on a practice field in terms of what you're going to do to further exacerbate a concussion injury. I mean, I don't think he, I don't think there's any scenarios in practice 
concussion or not, that Ben Bryant's going to be taking licks. So it's it's all up in the air, I think. And once again, you bring up a great point there with the Memphis game and the, a game that Ben Bryant had to come in relief for Desmond Ritter and ailing Desmond Ritter there. I see a similar scenario playing out here. I don't think we're going to have a definitive answer on who is taking snaps at the quarterback position this weekend until 10 30, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, I mean, that's that's the way this team operates. They don't want to disclose any information. They want to make it more difficult on the opponent. And well, and by byproduct of that, but more difficult on us as fans and those who cover the team. So there you go. Um, so the Bearcats are five and one. They're ranked number 21 to start the second half of the season. Russ, how on a scale of one to ten? How happy would how happy should Bearcats fans be about where this team is right now? I'd say about an eight, eight, eight point five, I'd think. You know, they're not a dominant program right now at five and one. The defense has been very good. That's been the strength of the team, obviously. It's not quite dominant national level like it was last year, but it's a top 20, top 25 unit. And then offensively, things have kind of slowly not necessarily tailed off completely but the consistency has dropped off a little bit when you look at the past two games against Tulsa and South Florida there so the fact that they are five and one you're two and oh in the AAC you control your destiny in terms of getting back to a New Year's Six Bowl we saw what Coastal Carolina looked like this past weekend there is no other group of five conference that will be I think putting a contender in the ether for that group of six group of, or that New Year's six bowl bid outside of the AAC. So I would say an 8.5. And once again, if you're going to get in that 90% range, going to get in that A total range, then you have to be undefeated in my eyes because that's the standard this team has set. You know, our colleague Justin Williams, I was reading a piece he wrote yesterday, mid-season. I was going to bring that up in the show. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and Russ talk, and Justin talked about Russ, how, you know, the Bearcats could maybe even afford to lose a game before they play for a conference championship potentially still and win that conference championship game. And they could still with two losses go to a new year's six bowl. That's how 2019 played out. If the Bearcats had beaten Memphis, I think they would have gone to the cotton bowl that year with two losses. They would have been 11 and two. Now, obviously, you know, we don't want them to lose a game and there's a chance they may not, but for me, like, I go a nine with how happy I am about the Bearcats. I'm not going to say 10. I'm not going to say 9.5, 9.2, or 9.01. What I'm going to say is nine because considering this team lost nine players to the NFL draft, considering they have dealt with more injuries than I think people realize, Russ, I said this yesterday. You've lost Malik Van, your senior leader up front on defense. You've lost Will Pauling, so that's a hit to the depth in the receiver room, which might be tested this week if Tyler Scott can't go. You've lost you lost Arquan Bush for a game. He did come back against South Florida, but that's a veteran corner at a position that's undergoing still a major change. Um considering what they had last year. By the way, Sauce Gardner might be defensive rookie of the year, maybe defensive Ooh, player of the year. Nelly, that cheese has what? I mean, I mean, good. you know what? We're, <laughs> I mean, I, he, that, and let me tell you something. And I, I'll deviate. I'll talk about Sauce Gardner for a, a few seconds here. Um, who said this? I think Good Morning Football said this. 
when you're a franchise in the Jets, for the last, you know, 10 years, really for since you last played in the Super Bowl, which, fun fact, was before a man was put on the moon, um, you've been defined by the butt fumble. You've been defined by um, – what else have you been defined by? Pretty much that. I mean, can't now wait. Got, we'll give him. We'll give him the Bart Scott. Bart Scott quote. That was that's a definitive New York Jets moment. Can't wait. Yeah, that's a definitive. We'll give Gosh. him a positive one on that. And I see. I want to like Bart Scott, but I can't after what he said about the Bengals and Joe Burrow last year. But anyway, now you've got your first round draft pick wearing a cheese head in full uniform at Lambeau Field. Russ Heldman, that is our guy. Us. I mean, yeah, it would have been great if he has a good, solid NFL career. He might be the defensive player of the year. It's true. It is 100% true. He's the odds-on favorite to win defensive rookie of the year. He's been a top 6-10 to cornerback in the league so far this season. You, I don't think, are surprised. I am not surprised Whoa. at how well he's played. And I, I knew it was kind of cemented, stapled into my take on Sauce Gardner and his NFL career. When Robert Sala, a really great defensive mind in this league, was asked about Sauce Gardner, told, a, told the media he was going to start in August. And he said, it, you could just see it on his face. He's like, I, this guy, like I could, I don't have much else to teach this guy. He's that good. He's that wow. polished. And he's that much of a pro. Now, that's obviously yeah. not something that Salah said, but you could just tell from his body language, his face, like, yeah, we got an absolute steal. And the Houston Texans might be thinking twice down the line of taking Derek Stingley over a mod I mean, they, that was so I, much I mean, fun to watch this weekend i loved and it was fun asking all the like i asked um asked Jawan briggs about it yesterday a couple of the yeah. players were asked during the press conference and you can just see it it's so infectious the amount of joy that sauce brings and it's dribbling all the way down into this current bearcats team if you were if you're a former bearcat you had a great week in the nfl alec Basically, pierce game yeah. yeah alec pierce game winning touchdown against the, the jaguars uh, my Jay Sanders first career sack Kobe Bryant leads the league in forced fumbles and Travis Kelsey is the greatest tight end maybe to ever play the game of football so um right it was a, the week started with Travis Kelsey catching four touchdown passes and amassing the fewest yards in the history of a four touchdown catch yeah. game so uh yeah and see, we're not, see, now, we're talking about, now we're talking about former Bearcats that's how I, I, that's how we do it here and by the way what I love the most about Sauce Gardner was after the game I forget I, I didn't know who he was talking to on the field after the game but he said yeah, I've been doubting my whole life. So keep doubting me. I'll just keep proving myself. Like very doubt, very humble. Very he's got a chip on his shoulder. I mean, let's not forget he comes into UC. What six foot, one hundred fifty pounds? Pick six in South Florida. Oh, who's this guy? Dan Hort. His nickname is Sauce. Oh boy, did that catch on. Uh, his uh, uh, his his cornerbacks coach, similar to Luke Fickle, said he wouldn't give so call Sauce by a nickname until he won an award. Picks up defensive or picks up NFL rookie of the week last week. Gets the sauce moniker from his coach. How about that? Uh, anyway, kind of deviated there. That's a fun though. Uh, that's what we do here on this show. Um, anyway, so we talked about expectations at the beginning of the year. Are those much the same now for you, Russ, as we head into the second half of the season? Yeah, the expectations haven't changed. I, I think it was unfair for anyone to expect a return to the college football playoff this year. Obviously, things are so much, there's so many things out of UC's control and that type of expectation. But what is in their control and still in their control, as you laid out over the last 15 minutes, they still have that New Year's Six bid right on the table. The Coastal Carolina Chanticleers fall to six and one this past weekend. They lose to Old Dominion 49 21. I mean, that's to me is too much 
of a hill to climb when you look at who ends up getting that bid down the line for the college football playoff rankings committee. And Old Dominion, the only other group of five team undefeated right now, they can't play in the postseason, Alex, because they are in their first year of eligibility as an FBS school. So all of the goals are still there. And there's honestly a little bit of breathing room on those goals. As you mentioned, I think they could go 10-2, and 11-2. Obviously, you got to win the conference championship game to get to that New Year's Six bid and still make it because they could end up having two ranked wins on their schedule if they are two ranked opponents on their schedule when they play them in UCF and Tulane, who obviously Tulane ranked for the first time since I believe 1998 in uh, this week's latest poll. They're at six and one and then UCF one loss as well. And I would say, Alex, if they go out and, and handle business this weekend, win by double digits, then and even win at all, they probably will be sneaking in or at least in the top 30, getting a good amount of votes. So how old are you, Russ? Just out of curiosity. 25, big two five. Okay. So you were time Tulane was ranked. I don't know if I was because I was born in November of 98. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the exact week that they got so, ranked, but that was that was the um what was it? The the that was the year they went undefeated, right? When Tulane correct. was last ranked. It was. Now I think Tennessee. And Sean King. Was, Sean King was the quarterback. Sean King. Sean King. Tennessee won the national championship. So naturally, I go to New How Orleans for the first time this week, and Tulane gets ranked in the top twenty-five for the first time since I was born in nineteen ninety-eight. I mean, how does that? Work? They should. They should be sending me unlimited supply of gumbo. For <laughs> yeah, that's what they should be doing. By the way, I had gumbo for the first time for us this weekend. Woo, that was good. What's the What's the rating out of ten? Let's get a rating. So if we're doing ratings, uh, I'll go nine because I, 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 I can't. I can't ever say okay. It's hard for me to say ten out of ten because I'll be honest. I because I got a spice caught in my throat and that was a fun ten minutes. Ooh, ooh, um, stuff. But excuse me. But but I cleared it. Went back for seconds and they brought the bread out at this. I was at a place called Drago's, which fun fact is owned by the play-by-play voice of the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh. Um, so recommendation from Dan Horde on his podcast, Bengals Booth Podcast. So very, very good. Very good time in New Orleans. Very festive. Bourbon Street is is as advertised. And, and I'm pretty sure my head is still ringing from how loud the Superdome is. I bet it was a crazy environment there. Glad the Bengals got the job done. But yes. Yeah, back to, back to the Bearcats. I just, I don't yeah. think, I don't think the expectations have really changed in terms of the fan base, in terms of the team. And if anything, the margins have just, I think, widened a little bit. Although you can't, you can only afford, I would say, one more loss the rest of the season. And even then, I, I, do you think they could get in with two losses, Alex, into the ACC? I think they game? could. I don't know. I do, and I, I, I just think Russ because two conference losses. That is not just not two, two conference losses. losses. No. Okay. Yeah. That's because asking, yeah. well, then you'd be nine and three, ten and three. No, you won't get to a near six bowl with that. If you go eleven and two, I think you should get in. Because what other group of five team is better? That's what I said. Coastal Carolina. I mean, yeah, they're going like, to have one I, loss or two. If they have one loss the rest of the year, maybe, maybe the playoff committee. I wouldn't even put them Coastal in. Coastal Carolina over, but UC's one of their only losses is going to be to that Arkansas team. Yes, who is obviously not as good as we thought they might be this year. Kind but of a middle still road. SEC. Yeah, it's still SEC. I'll take that over Old Dominion. Right, a twenty-eight well, point loss yeah, to a first-year FBS school. To me, Russ, it's 
Coastal Carolina doesn't have the pedigree that Cincinnati has had for the previous three years. I think since I think that should factor in. Excuse me. And let's be honest. Right, Tulane's a great story. I don't think they can sustain their 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 success. They're really good defensively. They have a good passing game, but they still have UCF, SMU, and Cincinnati. Brutal, right? Brutal. And by the way, that's in Orlando. They play UCF. So I think Cincinnati, if anything, if they're going to lose a game, which they may not, losing to UCF, okay, fine. You lose on the road to that team who will then probably be ranked, fine. Go into their stadium and beat them in the AAC championship game. That should get you into a near six bowl. The Bearcats are going to be Tulane at home. Let's be honest, because Tulane is going to have to travel on a short week. Time change. Bearcats are at home. Senior day. No way the Bearcats are losing to Tulane at home. All right. This is the latest I've ever done a first live read of the show. But, I mean, that's because this conversation has been going so great. Maybe it's Russ's new ring light. I, I, I think that might be what it is. Anyway, or maybe it's because I used this new product that is absolutely amazing. I have to tell you about it. It's called Sweat Block because let's be honest, I've had sweat for many occasions. Hell, I sweated in New Orleans during the Bengals game. I sweat during every Bengals game, every during every Bearcats game at work, you know, when I sleep, you know, take my guy Chris. He suffered from excessive underarm sweat for 10 years. He was so worried about sweating through his dress shirts that he started tucking maxi pads in his shirt to soak up the sweat until he found sweat block. And let me tell you why it changed the, changed the game for him and for me, because it was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It is doctor created and doctor recommended. That's all you need to know. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweater odor, try sweat block, save 20% with my promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. Russ Hellman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, back with uh, me today here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, so this game on Saturday against SMU, um, SMU's three and three. They're one and one in conference play. They've lost three of their previous four games. Uh, they have a horse who pooped on the field last week. That was quite funny. Um, what stands out to you about this SMU team and what can the Bearcats, what are the Bearcats going to be able to do against them? And what worries you about SMU? Well, Rasheed Rice is the number one concern I have for this Bearcats defense right now. And he's, he's I would say the odds on favorite to win AAC offensive player of the year leading receiver for the SMU Mustangs has been fantastic so far this season, 49 catches, 761 yards, four touchdowns, top five in the country in receptions and or in yards total on the season. And his connection with Tanner Mordecai is really, really special. And it's the number one thing that the Bearcats are going to have to slow down to exit Dallas with a victory here. Tanner Mordecai, another one of those great, great AAC passing talents, 2016 yards on the season thus far. He is 11th nationally in passing, 22nd in touchdown throws, has only tossed six interceptions. So he's in the bottom third nationally in total interceptions, very efficient with the football, 43rd quarterback rating by ESPN overall in the country. So it's that connection, Tanner Mordecai to Rasheed Rice. If they can shut that down, turn SMU into more of a kind of balanced team, they love to throw the ball a lot. 
make them have to run the football a little bit more than the Bearcats and that front seven that is playing really great football right now and hopefully a little bit healthier front seven, i.e. Ivan Pace Jr. and his little ding up that he was dealing with before the bye can start to shut down that SMU rushing attack. That only averages about 138.5 yards per game and leading rusher hovering around four to four, three yards per carry, not necessarily going to wow you with their efficiency. That's Trey Siggers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you're right. I mean, Rache, is it Rache or Rache? I've always thought it was Rache. I could be wrong though. Um, I got. I have, I'm gonna be honest with the, with the audience Rache, and, and with Rache. Alex right here. I got no idea. I just yeah. wanted Rashe Rashe Rice. Okay. Rashe Rice here, sounds they, nice. Russ, <laughs> you look at their stats. It's Rashe Rice who's got 49 catches, almost 800 yards, and the next closest receiver has maybe 300. Like Jake, it is a, Jake Bailey is the next closest receiver with 12 catches for 205 yards. Like the, there we, you we, go. It's no no. It's no. Uh, there you go. There's no surprise where the ball is going between. So this is like, so so this is like Michael Thomas with the Saints years ago, where he had all the catches and the next closest receiver had maybe 60. (coughs) Excuse me. That's where we're going here. So if you take away Rache Rice, which the Bearcats did a good job of the last two years, they essentially have no offense. And like this SMU offense is high octane. I mean, they average over 400 yards of offense for a reason, but the Bearcats last year held them to 196 on senior day. So this is an interesting game because it's a noon kickoff here, but 11 o'clock in Dallas. Do those start times affect teams, and could it affect the Bearcats in any way, especially coming out of the bye week? I don't think so. I don't think it has really any any difference. Actually, Ty Van Fossen said it's a benefit for the Bearcats. He said – him and a lot of guys hate waiting around, especially on the road when they can't just be at their own apartment, be at the stadium at Nippert getting ready in their own home routine. He loves early kickoff or road games. He says the team just wants to wake up, strap on the pads, go go play some football, and then get back home to Cincinnati. And I, I could kind of see where that would lend a benefit to the Bearcats, this game being kicked off at noon, as opposed to last road game in the AAC when they had to wait all yeah. day long to go face the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Yeah, and then deal with, what, a four-hour game on ESPNU? <laughs> I mean, Russ, over-under, how long does it take to play this game? Three and a, I'll go three and a half. I'll set the over-under at three and a half. You're going over or under that? I, I'm i going over. It's a UC, it's a UC yeah. ESPN game in the AAC. It's probably going to be yeah. about 345. You know I don't think means. it will be four hours, though. I would be very no. shocked. Usually if it's on ESPN and it's the noon game, they typically keep those ones going so that the rest of the yeah. slate doesn't get completely. Well, it'll start up. later because college game day runs over now. True. So we'll, see. Make- we'll get, they'll get it done whenever I we just, know where we're going to be on yeah, Saturday, <laughs> but at least that means an early work day for us right. because, and one other, I, one other nugget I wanted to squeeze in here in case we, we didn't get to it at all. Tyler Scott, another big injury that we're looking at here this week, obviously didn't, um, went down in the game against South Florida yeah. and didn't see him on the practice field yesterday Uh-oh. was off on the side on the rehab um, section, kind of working on the speed bike. So don't know if he's going to get any, any legit practice time. I don't know if he has to get legit practice time in this week to be able to play, but that's an update on Tyler Scott, who uh, definitively is not back to full practice as of yet. That's a big concern for me because if he's not a hundred percent, 
and that ankle. And we've seen it the last few weeks with T. Higgins with the Bengals. And you know, Tyler Scott, what he loves to do the most is fly down the field. Excuse me. So that's concerning to me. But I also think that this game, the Bearcats Russ should run the football well because SMU struggles in the run game defensively. Struggles to say the least. 0.181 EPA per rush allowed on defense. That is bottom 12 nationally among all 100 or bottom 11 nationally among all 131 FBS teams. They are a team you have to be able to run the football on. You should really run the football well on. I don't think there should be any any bad carry stretches for the Bearcats this weekend. Five, six, seven yards of carry as a team is what they should average. Feed Charles yeah. McClellan. Feed Corey Kiner, who is back this week, confirmed by Ooh. Luke Fickle. Okay. And as you mentioned, Alex, kind of bringing a full circle to the top of the show, this is a week where if Ben Bryant isn't fully healthy, and obviously they're not going to clear him if he's not fully healthy off a of concussion, but given the matchup, this is a great yeah. place to use Evan Yes. Yes. So you're saying the Bearcats should rush for 200 yards in this game, maybe more than yeah. that. Yes. Okay. That, that, that should be the bar to clear right. 200. We're going to switch gears and talk some hoops in the third segment. So we'll wrap up our conversation. Bearcats SMU, um, your score prediction for Saturday. I'm rolling 30 to 27 Bearcats. They hit Ooh. the spread right on the number. We get a pretty close game. And yes. unfortunately for my riding pros, it's going to be one that comes down to the wire. Maybe a, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to guess it here. Ryan Coey, first game winner as a Bearcat happens this weekend. It's going to be a nip tuck battle, hard fought one on the road that the Bearcats barely squeak away from. Thirty twenty seven at the gun. It's SMU's homecoming. Bearcats have beaten the Mustangs ninety to twenty seven combined the last two years. So hoping for more success this year. All right, we'll get this live uh, read in from Bet Online, our friends over there, and then we'll talk some hoops. And then we'll talk about just maybe, Russ, the Bengals offense starting to round into form, potentially. And uh, Uno finally playing like a numero uno receiver in the NFL. All right, we'll get into that after a word from Bet Online, as you see on your screen. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. <coughs> Excuse me, I was trying to hold that in. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Russ Heldman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, back with us today here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, we are, what, uh, 18 days away from the first men's basketball game of the season. You, I'm sure, will be covering that for us at All Bearcats as the Bearcats take on Chaminade. Yep. That is, by the way, the I've said this before, the host of the Maui Invitational, which the Bearcats will be playing in just a matter of – that is – Russ, that's in four weeks. Right. It's a month away. I mean, yeah, that no, it's not. So, by the way, great article I read Tuesday night in the Athletic. Russ, you can you should check this out. You you subscribe to the Athletic, right? Oh yeah. 
Okay. See, there you go. Um, but you and you and Justin being Ohio buddies, I don't I don't doubt that. Um, so there's an article that Seth Davis wrote of the 20 most influential games of the 2000s. Yep. Really interesting choices that made the list. I thought number one was too mainstream. I would have done something different. You can check it out for yourself. Cincinnati does have a game on the list, but for reasons you'd rather not remember. I'll leave it at that. So, speaking of basketball, the Bearcats uh, held their media days on Tuesday. Russ, you were there. Uh, Wes Miller spoke. David DeJulius spoke. John Newman the third spoke. Am I right about that? Yesterday was DeJulius and Rob Fennessy. And then it was uh, yeah, last week they had their formal media day. And then okay. I think this is kind of just going to be the weekly staple in the preseason until staple. they get okay. the regular See, season I, I don't know. Yeah, this is what you get when you live in the Deep South and make it. Well, actually, it's making it's all good. the Deep South. I don't know. I was in the Deep South last week. That was quite an experience. And I mean that for all very good reasons. <laughs> anyway, those grits I had at breakfast two days in a row. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So good. Um, anyway. Russ, Wes Miller talked about offensively, they want to be positionless. What do you take from that? I take a kind of breakthrough into the modern game. Last year, it was very traditional. You know, you obviously have the two leading active shot blockers at the time in the entire country, in Hayden Koval and Abdul Adu. Miller talked about how there was a lot of times where on defense, they kind of knew that they had that back line defender in a do or Koval to rely on at the rim. And this year, they don't have that. And so what we were able to see and really awesome experience getting to see a full two, two and a half hour practice yesterday, just being a fly on the wall, seeing how the team operates. It is just the intensity that they are practicing with this defensive structure with right now is really, really impressive. The intensity the coaching staff has, especially Miller, they are really tightening up the screws on this defense. It's going to be a lot of help side defense. It's going to be a lot of kind of communication-based principles where you're having to switch off defenders, you're having to switch off guys quickly, you're having to pass off assignments and really be on the same page one through five every time you're out there on the floor as opposed to letting a guy like Abdullah do, letting a guy like Hayden Koval be that main rover in the middle and erase stuff at the rim. This year's defense, more about, I would say, denying angles to the rim, denying those pathways to the rim with your positionless, more versatile, more athletic lineups than you, that you have in 2022 as opposed to 2021. So, <clears throat> wow, excuse me. Um, and that's all great to hear. Um I posed this question to you last week, and I'm going to ask it this week. Between David DeJulius, who I don't know how you can love that guy, after what he said and what he's going to do with his NIL earnings, and then you have Jeremiah Davenport. Which one is A, the leader of this team, and B, the most valuable player on this team? Of those two, I think think it's Davenport because it's the peak. It's the mountaintop time. We kind of know what David DeJulius is. It's not, not that he can't keep improving incrementally here or there, but if you're Jeremiah Davenport being in this off season program, a staple off season program for the first time in 
almost two years that you've been able to actually get a full-fledged non-COVID, non-pandemic offseason in. You're a hometown Cincinnati kid. You've stuck through a coaching change. You've stuck through everything. You've gone through the maturation process over the last 12 months that Wes Miller has described in multiple conversations with the media over the past few weeks. The time is now. And last year, sure, the scoring was there here and there. It was solid offensively. But defensively is where he really lacked. This, the wings across the AAC would just target uh, target Jeremiah Davenport in the half court and just go right at him. This year, the fulcrum of this team is going to be its defense. And I think Wes Miller obviously knows that. He prides his entire program status and structure off of having an elite defense, one that they didn't have last year. We're top 50 in defensive efficiency from most of the season until that 8 of 10 loss stretch in the final month, month and a half of the season that really sealed their fate in 2021, 2022, and kept them outside the top 70 in total defensive efficiency. So Jeremiah Davenport is the fulcrum. He's the skeleton key, I think, towards this starting defensive unit, really being able to shut down the great, great wings we're going to see across the AAC schedule over the next three to four months. So to me, Jeremiah Davenport having a big year is more important for this team than David DeJulius having a big year. A guy in the latter who I could see the production falling off just a tad, the raw numbers falling off just a tad, but Alex, the efficiency I think should be much higher. The off-ball creation should be much higher from David DeJulius. I don't expect to see to watch him pound the ball into the end of the shot clock throughout a lot of possessions this year. It's going to be versatile offense. It's going to be ball movement. It's going to be fast-paced. It's going to be get out, run the floor, get those easier transition buckets in you to your shot diet a little bit more than they were able to last year and really just open up the flow of the offense more. And to do that, Jeremiah Davenport, I think, needs to be the more dominant player out of that duo. See, that's what I want to see. It's like I felt like last year the Bearcats offense was too predictable. Davenport chucked up a bunch of threes. David DeJulius, I mean, he was great, but I felt like he had to work for everything. Like if you create, if you put him in more situations and you use him in different ways – I think that's going to lead to a much more successful offense this season. All right, let's switch gears here because Joe Burrow made a comment last week. One more nugget, one more nugget on the uh, practice I watched yesterday. Daniel Skillings is making some plays out there, folks. Uh Making some plays. And not Uh just, you know, the flashy jump shooting, the crossover moves, all that stuff, the nitty-gritty stuff that is going to get Wes Miller to play him in this rotation. Uh-oh. I would say it's a long shot that any of the freshmen become 20, 25 minute guys, 15, 20 minute guys, at least in the non-conference slate. But Daniel Skillings, I would say of the three of the three freshmen is the leader in the clubhouse right now to see significant playing time. He looked really good yesterday in that practice. How about that? Boy, that could be something that we get to see him out there. Um, all right. So, you know, I like to ask you a Bengals question or two at the end of every show that we do. So well, Joe Burrow made a comment last week. He said, we're going to go down to New Orleans and we're going to fight our balls off to win. All right. You want to know how I know that? He did. Touchdown run on third and eight late in the second quarter. Third and four, the um, Houdini uh, Patrick Mahomes-esque play. To, set, to give the Bengals a fighting chance to cut into the deficit. That was and the then third the and three to Tyler Chase. Boyd, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. 
which that was stressful watching it from my vantage point in the Superdome as my head was ringing because of how loud it is. What was really cool, Russ, I don't know, so what was really cool about that game was, you know, the Saints have this the, 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 this um, terribly copycatted version of the Who Day chant that goes, Who Dat thinking to beat them Saints? So right before kickoff, you had Saints fans doing that, and you had Bengals fans doing the Who Day chant, and we're trying to outduel each other. I mean, it was an incredible pregame um, pageantry, like dueling chants. I'm sure there's a video the somewhere on Twitter. I'm going to have to look that up. I, and I haven't seen one yet, and I kind of want to. But anyway, so for the first, I really feel like Joe Burrow was Joe Burrow for what he said before the game leading up to it, what he did during the game, and putting the team on his back to win the game. And his buddy Jamar, who he's known since LSU days, wait, what a game he had. I think we're starting to see him Chase and the team maybe turn a corner, Russ. Are you are you there on that? The signs of life are there, especially on offense. And it's like as soon as the offense starts to undertaker itself up out of the coffin, then the defense starts to slip back into the coffin in terms of the run defense. But I'll get to that in just a second. Chase, six catches, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Boom, he's back. Made the yak plays all over the place. I mean, Tyron Matthew. R.I.P., man. Whenever he has to face Jamar Chase, it's just an abject disaster for him, even though he's playing pretty good football this year for the New Orleans Saints. I think the connection is there. They obviously kept force-feeding Chase. They ran 52 out of 54 plays from the shotgun. They're implementing more RPO actions, which is fantastic to see out of this offense, Alex, because what does that do? What does being in shotgun all the time and running a heavy RPO-based system with the receiving talent you have do? It puts everything on the shoulders of number nine. The pre-snap ability, the post-snap readability, the idea and the knowledge to know when I need to get the ball out quick on an RPO to Tyler Boyd on a slant or hand the ball off to Joe Mixon, who averaged over 5.5 yards per carry on Sunday. All of that stuff I think is good and can be built on. Now, can they run this offense effectively out of the shotgun 98% of the time? That's where I have hesitation in terms of facing NFL defenses and giving them one single look every single play. But if there's anybody that can do it, it's the guy with the brain that number nine has and the talent offensively that this team has, where if you get those guys in terms of the receivers, yak opportunities in space, we saw what they're going to do with them. And then on the other end with the defense, eight to 10 missed tackles. So uncharacteristic for this unit out of Luana Rumo that has really been stapled in the middle of the league over the last three to four years and missed tackle total. And Sunday was an abject disaster. They gave up over 100 yards rushing on three different plays that basically kept the Saints in the game for the entire time. So clean up the missed tackles against the number one rushing DVOA offense in the NFL this coming weekend against Atlanta. And they should be able to cover a spread against an Atlanta team that is 6-0 and against the spread so far this season. Six and zero against the spread. This is we we talk about that against the spread. Um, here's what I like too. On the first touchdown drive, when the Bengals had first and goal, second and goal, third and goal from the nine, Russ, two 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 passes to start. They went into the end zone. They were looking to get. They were throwing the ball. Burrow threw the ball into the end zone. Like great play calling. And then the mix and play. I watched the video of it afterwards. Jamar Chase. Um, took the corner defensive player with him 
and allowed Mixon to run underneath. So, yeah, I was thrown short of the goal line, but it's a high percentage throw that can lead to yards after the catch. So I had no problem with that throw. I thought the play calling was good. I thought Lyle Collins played a really good game. Um, Hayden Hurst continues to be so reliable and so hard, such a hard player. Um, and just a, you know, for the first time all season, I came away after a win thinking, okay, you can really build off of. Um, what do you like on Sunday against the Falcons team that, let's admit, is now a tougher opponent than we thought coming into the season? No doubt. I, I honestly thought Desmond Ritter would be taking the reins from Marcus Mariota by this point. And the way Marcus Mariota's passed the ball would lead you to believe that. But Arthur Smith is leaning into what his offense and what his quarterback does best. He's given Mariota about 12 to 15 carries a game. Caleb Huntley, Tyler Allgaier. I mean, it's just it's a it's a mishmash of guys that are creating the like I mentioned number one most efficient rushing attack in the NFL this year and it's 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 a game where I think the Bengals are going to continue to have problems. This rush defense is struggling right now without DJ Reader. I think it's going to be another nip tuck game. I could see it being another three point game that the Bengals play at Paul Brown Stadium. Give me Cincinnati 27-24 in that Ooh. contest. They barely get out over the Atlanta Falcons, but it's kind of crazy, Alex. The Bengals, after the bye, once they go into the bye in week nine, in the first eight weeks of the season, they'll have faced five of the top six rushing attacks yeah, by DVOA. It's crazy. I saw you tweet that. But my thing is, the Bengals are facing a lot of weak rushing defenses coming up. Atlanta's middle of the pack. Cleveland's not very good. Carolina's not very good. Um, I'll go Cleveland's awful. Cleveland, they better be able to run on Cleveland. <laughs> Jeez. I'll go 34-24. I just think the offense is starting to click. I think the defense gets a turnover in this game because Atlanta's going to be playing from behind. I think someone steps up and makes a play. I don't think they're going to be that poor against the run. They might give up some yards, but they're not going to miss tackles. You know, I, I have my eyes on Jermaine Pratt, who had a really good game last week. Um, excuse me. Um, you know who had a really good game last week? No one talks about him. Jay Tuafele. Yeah, he was solid. Had to come in on short notice. Uh, Josh Tupo, I think, went down early in the contest. Tuafele yeah. had to take a way bigger snap diet than he was used to. And, yep, like I mentioned last year, Alex, I told a lot of people it might have been the – it's going it, to – it might end up stinging a lot to have missed out on that Super Bowl given how healthy the Cincinnati oh, we Bengals were. In 2021. Yeah, but you're going to get Reader back. You're going to get Wilson back. Um, you're healthy these on are, offense. This is true. None T of these not, these injuries aren't long-term done for the yeah. year. That's a good point. And Collins is healthy now. Williams is healthy. He he played okay on Sunday. Uh, that second sack that Burrow took on the second to last drive of the game, woof, to Williams' pass protection. I mean, they're not as healthy as they were last year right now. But keep in mind, they had a lot of injuries last year, too. At various points in the season. Right. Logan like, Wilson was banged up last year. He was yeah. Up, so. Yeah. All right. Russ Heldman, as always, uh, my colleague at All Bearcast and Sports Illustrated. You can follow him on Twitter at Russ Heldman 11. He's a producer and host of WMKV 89.3. He joins me every Thursday to talk Bearcats football, Bearcats men's basketball, and, of course, his always candid takes about the Bengals. Uh, Russ, we'll be back next Thursday for what, what could be a huge game in Orlando, Florida. Yep, hopefully Bearcats get the job done this weekend against SMU and very well could be 
AAC championship game home field advantage on the line next weekend at the bounce house. And you and I will be all over it. Alex, can't wait to chat. We about will it. Be. Yep. I'll be covering it from my uh, nice hotel in Clemson, South Carolina. You'll be in Cincinnati. Are you going to the game in Orlando? No, I'll be in Cincy next week. Okay. You'll be in Cincy. I'll be in Clemson and we'll give you the content that you deserve. Russ Hellman, thank you as always for joining me. We'll talk to you next week after the Bearcats and SMU Tango on or Tango rather on was it Tango or Tango, whatever. Uh, so Saturday in Dallas, and then we'll get you set for Bearcats UCF next Thursday. Russ Hellman, as always, thank you for joining us and uh, best wishes to you. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. That's Russ Hellman, my colleague at all Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, joining me as he does every Thursday. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty. Don't forget my score prediction and game preview tomorrow here on Lockdown Bearcats. You can also follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore. Email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Now for your second listen, get more in the Big 12 by making Lockdown Big 12 your second listen with everyday host Josh Neighbors. And the local experts of Locked On taking you across the conference in 30 minutes. Locked On Big 12, your second listen. That's Locked On Big 12. For Locked On Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day. Stay safe, stay healthy. And we will talk to you tomorrow with the full game preview for SMU right here on Locked On Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.